And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the proficient Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a comedy episode of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1948. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from famous songs, provide a statement about each song. My job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's exactly right, Carl. Now, let's remind everyone, how did you do last week on this? I don't remember. I, I, I'm pretty sure you didn't do too well because we said that had you closed your eyes and just picked one for all of them, you could have done better. I'm so glad you reminded me yeah, I just wanted to and remind the audience you. that I did so, terribly so, at this game. So the pressure's on. We'll see how you do this week. I think it's really uh, sweet of you. Thank you. Know? you. You're such a sweet, it's sweet endearing. girl. Yeah, it was endearing. You really are. I meant it in a very warm way. Sure, I'm sure so you did. So I've got some great songs. You can enjoy the music. Margaret Hamilton. Else. Right. Let's let's play. You know who Margaret Hamilton played, right? In <laughs> The Wizard of Oz? Yeah, of course. I'll get you, my pretty. All right. Are you and done? And your little dog, too. Are we done? All right. All right. Let's play the first song. Is it? So that's the title of this song, Crazy Little Thing Called Stray Love. Stray Cats? Or who is it? Queen. Oh, Queen. So close, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is Queen? This is Queen. Oh, all right. All right? Yeah. All right, you're off to a good start. Okay. So here's your statement. <laughs> I need to take a Prevagen. Hang on a second. <laughs> you got it, too. Okay. All right, took a Prevagen. Right, now go. I'm going to be great. Great. Here's your statement. Freddie Mercury wrote this song while riding a horse in Munich, Germany. Is that real or ridiculous? Um, it sounds ridiculous, so I'll say it's real. Okay. Um, it is ridiculous. Oh, man. <laughs> I would have guessed ridiculous. Right, but, but you didn't. So uh, I will tell you, though, fair. you won't you believe set me. me up I know this. I did, but you won't believe me if I tell you the real story. What, Margaret? Are you ready? What? You won't believe me, right, but it's Margaret, true. Go ahead. It was while he was taking a bubble bath in his room at the Munich Hilton. I'm surprised you didn't say bubble bath because we're always saying. I know. To my, 
Mike I know. takes bubble baths while I know. he's cleaning the Well, no, you say that. Mike doesn't say that. <laughs> and one day I will have a great song. That's right. <laughs> right so I what? I got that wrong? I would have I would have said ridiculous. But <sighs> but you didn't. Frustrated. Okay, moving on. Let's go to the next great song. Okay. What was it? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, for all the listeners who asked me to tell you to stop singing, I'll throw that out there. All right. We good to go here? Who sings this? Uh, this is Life in the Fast Lane right. by the Eagles. Oh, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. In honor. Soar like an eagle. Right, but I didn't. Uh, okay. Song. Okay. In honor. Uh, <laughs> in what? In what, honor, Margaret? In honor of Glenn Fry, who is the founding member. Yeah. Pat Benatar covered this song on her 2018 album Fire and Ice. Is that real? I want to say that's real. Okay. It is ridiculous. Oh my god! Um, instead of Pat Benatar, it was Ann Wilson of Heart <laughs> on her 2018 album called "You Have Immortal. No Heart." Let's listen to it. No listen. heart. Man, this he is was Ann Wilson of Heart. Okay, let's listen. Don't sing, Lisa. Let's listen. I just said Pat Benatar because. He has that kind of husky voice. <laughs> he had a nasty reputation as a cruel dude. All right, so I'm, All right. I'm 0 for 2, right? There you go. So you're doing really well. All right, Margaret. All right, Carl. Let's move on to All right, the next Mrs. Song. Hamilton. <laughs> That's Ms. to you. Just a poor boy, boy. My story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance. This is Simon and Garfunkel. Yes, it is. Such are promises. Die to die. All lies and chest. Die to die. Die to die. Die to die. Something. I mean, they probably made millions of dollars writing Die to Die. That's right. Die to Die, Die, Die to Die. They can say. Die to Die. They can say. Well, ZZ Top, same thing. Yeah, sure. So, sure. this is called The Boxer. Pow, bow, bow. The Boxer. It's called The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Okay, here's your statement. Oh, man. Now, think. I'm going to get this wrong. Put on your thinking cap. Bob Dylan recorded a version of this on his 1970 album called Self Portrait. Is that real? Real. Or di- ridiculous? Oh, real. Real? Yeah. Let's play it. You got one. I got one. You got one. Listen. I am just a poor boy. My story seldom told. I have squandered my resistance. Both of those voices are Bob Dylan. I guarantee you I would not buy this album. I would not buy I this album. I didn't ask you if you would buy it. I thought one of those voices was Carl. <laughs> he wishes. So he's singing and then he sings again? Yes, well, he's recorded he, it that way. He recorded way. it then. Both voices are oh, oh, because, because it was Simon and Garfunkel, so he did. I see. All right. All right, Mrs. Hamilton, I got okay. one right. Moving on. Let's hear the next song. This is not true, the next song. Whatever this world can give to 
right? So it's You're My Best Friend by Queen. Oh, by Queen again. Mm-hmm. Queen again. <laughs> ready? By Queen again. Queen again. Okay? Yes. This song was used in the Jennifer Aniston movie, He's Just Not That Into You. Real or ridiculous? I'm going to say real. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was used in the movie The Breakup with star Jennifer oh, Aniston. Man, you're so... But that's a different movie. Margaret. Come on. Come on, Margaret. Blame me for your ignorance. Come on, Margaret. So close, though. You were so just one I'll off there. I'll get you. Are you done? <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, you've got one one more to go. I stink at this game. <laughs> Make me live. All right. Here's the last song. Love by you. Yes, baby. How sweet it is to be loved by you. So All this right. is Marvin Gaye. And it's called How Sweet It Is. Right. Okay, here's your statement. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. The Motown songwriters who wrote this song were inspired by Jackie Gleason's trademark line, How Sweet It Is. Yeah, real. Real? I I think real. It is real. Yeah. Oh, man, I got one. Here's Jackie Gleason's version of it. How sweet it is. And to be there it is. loved by you. And that you. is absolutely right. So, wow. okay, two out of five. What was it like wearing all that makeup? What is that, 40? Flying around You got on that 40%, room. Carl. 1930. In school, that would be enough. <laughs> In baseball, though. Yeah, baseball, I'd be, uh, I'd be, ba- <laughs> I'd make millions. <laughs> what was it like with all that makeup and uh... all the green makeup? Well, I don't need makeup because I'm naturally green. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> don't need it. All right, Lisa. Thanks. All right, so Carl. Lot. Keep working at it. All right. Well, uh, we have Phil Harris and Alice Faye coming your way. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Phil Harris and Alice Faye, they were married in real life, and they had their own comedy series on NBC called The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. And uh, they played fictionalized versions of themselves as a working showbiz couple raising two daughters. Elliot Lewis was Phil's best friend, guitar player Frankie Remley, usually got Phil into a lot of hot water. Walter Tetley, who played Leroy on The Great Gildersleeve, was obnoxious delivery boy Julius. And the show uh, came to radio in 1948, lasted until 1954. It was just a super funny series. And we have a broadcast from Halloween, October 31st, 1948, of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggist. Good health to all from Rexall.
And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> It is four o'clock in the Harris household, and the children have just arrived home from school. They're an hour late, and Phil and Alice are a little upset. Well, it's about time you children got home. Where have you been? Yeah, why were you so late? The teacher kept us after school, Daddy. Yeah, she said the homework we did last night was all wrong. So? (laughs) My children can't grasp the simple things they teach in the elementary grades. The trouble is you don't pay no attention. You think you know everything. You won't listen to your elders. Now, after this, if you have any trouble, come to me with your homework. That's what we did last night, Dad. (laughs) Oh. And what makes your teacher so sure it was wrong? George Washington was our first president, not Petrillo. Well, that's a moot point. Daddy, the teacher gave us these pamphlets for you to read. Let me see them, children. Hmm. These might help you, Phil. Political history of our country, current issues of the political campaign, party platforms... Hold it, Myrtle, hold it. Just... Take it easy. You might not know it, but I don't have to read pamphlets to know what's going on in this country. I'm right up to the minute on world affairs and current events, like every good American citizen should be. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, because there's something I forgot to tell you. The election committee called, and they want us to help out at the election on Tuesday. Election? Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody's running for something? (laughs) We're voting for a president. They want me to work at the polls, and they want you to go around the neighborhood and get the people to vote. Oh, but Alice, I can't be bothered with that stuff. Let somebody else do it. Oh, Phil, that's not the right attitude. This is an important election. That's right, Daddy. The teacher says it's the duty of everyone to do their part. Please do it, Daddy. We'll be proud of you. You'll be running the election and helping to pick the president. Yes, Phyllis, but I... Running the election, huh? (laughs) I'll be picking a president, huh? Well, if it's up to me to pick them, we don't need no election. We'll call the whole thing off. I'll make big changes. Yes, big changes. I'll make a clean sweep of the whole country. Stop swinging your arms. If anybody came in and... Yes, sir, I'll sweep everything. Look what you did. Oh, well, gee, I didn't know that anybody was in back of me. It's my brother, William. You knocked him out. As I was saying, I'll sweep everybody Phil, don't let him lie there. Help him up. Okay, okay. How is he, Phil? How is he? Is he unconscious? With Willie, it's hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah, he's out all right, honey, but I'll bring him to him. Well, hurry, Phil. Rub his wrist. Slap his face. Not with your fist. Come on, Willie. Willie, come on. Snap out of it. Willie, come on. Snap out. I'm sorry it happened. I didn't even know you were there, and I... Well, Willie, say something, Willie. Speak to me. 
Good morning, sir. <laughs> For that, I had to bring him, too. I'm glad you're all right, Willie. It was an accident. I don't believe it. I think he did it on purpose. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Phil would never hit you on purpose, would you, Phil? Nah. <laughs> he was just carried away with himself when I told him about his being appointed to the election committee. Yes, sir, and they showed great judgment. Who could do a better job of getting those women out to vote? Why, I'll have them dames eaten out of my hand. All I got to do is call at their homes, turn on that Harris charm, and I'll have all Hold them women it, coming Buster. to... Hold it, <laughs> Philip, frankly, I don't think the committee made a very wise choice. The importance of voting in this election should be explained to the people, and I don't think you're capable of doing it. I doubt if you even know who's running. I don't know who's... Oh, Oglethorpe. <laughs> Homer J. Oglethorpe, please. Go buy yourself a new snuff box. But you know, answer me. Who is running? Oh, you don't know, huh? Well, of course I know. Among the candidates, Thomas E. Dewey, Harry Truman, Henry Wallace, Norman Thomas, and J. Strom Thurmond. But of course. <laughs> I hope you know, Phil. I didn't want to tell you, but... Several of the committee members questioned your ability to do the job. In fact, a few of them are coming over this evening. They questioned my ability. My ability. Well. <laughs> this is... This is the sort of a thing that cuts a man to the quick. Bill, they're just coming over to find out if you're capable of handling it. You have to have a knowledge of politics in case people ask questions. Let them ask questions. Let them ask questions. Let them interrogate me. What was that last word? Me. Yeah, me. Me. <laughs> I can explain to those people the importance of voting this year. It's the political issues involved which concern the, uh, well, the, uh, I'll get it. Glad that bell rang. I really don't know too much about this. There must be some way I can find out before election. Hi, Curly. Frankie. Hey. Hey, what do you know about politics? Everything. <laughs> I probably know as much about politics as I do about music. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Not if there's anything you want to know, just ask me. I'll take a chance. Now, look. Who are you voting for in the presidential election? I ain't voting. <laughs> I don't believe in changing presidents. Well, some people think we should. Well, that's because they haven't followed the career of our president as closely as I have. I say the man's doing a good job. And as long as he continues to do a good job, let's keep Hoover there. <laughs> Frankie. Yes? Mr. Truman is the president of the United States, not Hoover. Oh, oh of course. I was thinking of Canada. <laughs> now, is there anything else you want to know? Yeah. Have you seen a doctor about that slow leak in your head? <laughs> Look, Remley, I'm on the election committee, and they're coming over tonight to find out what I know about the different parties. Curly, your education's been sadly neglected. Didn't you learn anything in school? First thing they taught me was that there are two major parties, the Whigs and the Tories. Those two I know about. There's more? Well, there must be. 
There are a lot of other fellas running this year. There's Harry Truman, Thomas E. Dewey, Henry Wallace, J. Strom Thurmond, and Thomas. Thomas? John Charles. <laughs> Look, Renly, you know even less than I do about this, and it's our duty to find out about it. I hope you realize the importance of voting. Well, of course I do. Look at my poor father. One year he didn't vote, and they passed prohibition. <laughs> And what's wrong with prohibition? I mean, worse things than that can happen. Like having an atom bomb go off in your hand or something. I mean, after all, Remley, you don't know anything. Don't you know anybody that I can talk to who knows politics? Well, why do you have to know about it? Well, because we have to know what we're doing when we vote. If we pick the wrong guy, we can get into as much trouble as people did when they had that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar. What was wrong with him? Well, besides his name. What was wrong with him? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. There was three children from the land of Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They took a little trip to the land of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He took a lot of gold and made him an idol, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And he told everybody when you hear the music of the cornet and the flute and the harp, you must fall down and worship that idol, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. But the children of Israel would not bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You couldn't fool them with a golden idol. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I said you couldn't fool them with a golden idol. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. So the king put the children in the fire furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Then he heaped on the coals and the red-hot brimstone. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Seven times hotter, hotter than it ought to be. Shadrach! Shadrach! He burned up the soldiers the king had put there. Shadrach! Mean Shack of Bendigo! But the Lord sent an angel with snowy white wings down in the middle of that furnace, talking to the children about the power of the gospel. Shadrach! Mean Shack of Burn a hair on the head of that Shadrach. Meshach, Abednego, laughing and talking while the fire was a jump. Shadrach! The Lord was on their side. Old Nebuchadnezzar called Hadar when he saw the power of the Lord. And they had a big time in the house of Babylon. Shadrach! Shadrach! Meshach, Phil Harris there singing Shadrach. I don't think I've ever heard that song, Shadrach. No. Um, maybe it wasn't a big hit. I don't know. Alice, uh, a little later, sings You Came from Rhode Island. I don't know if I ever heard that song either. And remember Rex Saul? Remember sure. those all over the place? Yeah. I, there's very few, if any, left anywhere. But I remember as a kid going into Rex Saul, and they used to have a counter where you could have lunch. You remember right. this? Yeah, couldn't you? Do you, you get, remember? Like a, well, we had a um And uh, like you could get sandwiches, bacon similar lettuce, to and tomato, in my neighborhood. Right. And you can get soup. You get a, a milkshake there too. Yeah, I mean Rexall, they called them the Rexall Family Drug Stores. 
And they, uh, you could literally go in there and have lunch. Right. While you're waiting for your prescription. I tell you, man, <laughs> times have a change. Yes. Times have a Walgreens change. Walgreens hadn't taken over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we're listening to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. They were very, very popular, very enjoyable series. And we'll get back to it in just a few minutes. So stick around. Lisa, Mike, and Carl. Yours truly will be right back. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, this is Hollywood 360. That's the great Adam West right there. The one and only Batman. And uh, I used to get uh, be good pals with uh, Adam West. And one day I just said to him, hey, do me a favor. I'm starting this radio show called Hollywood 360. Would you do me a, the honor of uh, being the announcer on it? He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So, um, yeah, and I remember he said, I'll do the ins and outs and the openings and closings. And I'll do it on my next session of the Family Guy. Right. My next next time I'm recording Family Guy, I'll have those guys stick around an extra 15 minutes and knock it out for you. He was just the best, man. And then he did a bunch of Twilight Zones for me, all kinds of stuff. Adam West, the, 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 he is the he is Batman. Okay. I know. I mean, there's lots of people that played Batman, but uh, when I think of Batman, there's only one one person, and that's Adam West. He's our announcer on Hollywood 360. Um, we're listening to Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Phil has been named to the Neighborhood Election Committee. And uh, interestingly, that's your favorite word, interestingly, Bill Foreman, Bill Foreman is the announcer on this show. You hear him on this. And on another network, this is NBC, on another network, on CBS, he was portraying the Whistler. Yeah, he was the Whistler on um, CBS. Now, there were other actors that played the Whistler, but Bill Foreman had that role the longest. And so when you're listening to the announcer on the show, you'll you'll hear that very familiar uh, kind of voice. And I think that's interesting that sometimes uh, announcers were the stars of other programs. Um, Larry Thor, who was the announcer on on certain shows like Suspense, played uh, Danny Clover on Broadway Is My Beat. So, you know, they um, they often were the uh, leads on other and then on certain shows they were just the announcer. Not that that's nothing, but I'm just saying. Um, all right. 
You ready? I'm ready. Here's the conclusion of this October 31st, 1948 episode of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Hey, Curly, I've been thinking. Why do you have to ask somebody about politics? Books have been written on the subject. You must have one in the house. Yeah, yeah, we must have. Hey, hmm? let's look at my book collection and see. Your book collection? (laughs) Naturally. I have quite an extensive library. Mm -hmm. There they are. Go ahead, look for yourself. Rubiat of Omer Khayyam. (laughs) Emerson's Essays. Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Masochistic Tendencies of the Malayan. That one was excellent. A smasher. You liked it, huh? Well, that and Homer's Iliad, I, I just couldn't put them down. I, I suggest you read it, Mr. Remley. Yes, maybe I would. No. I'll wait till I make the picture. <laughs> See what else you got here. The architectural influence of the Elizabethan era. The Rover Boys at Tehachapi. Curl. <laughs> Alice, she goes for that light, frothy stuff. Uh-huh, of course, of course. Ah, here's a book that'll help us, Curly. The Machination of Political Regimes During the Industrial Revolution. Ideal for our purpose, Mr. Remley. Right. Now, let's see. Uh-uh. What's the matter? Uh-uh. Hey, Remley. What? We'll never understand this. The words are too big and complicated oh, Bill, for us. Bill, I... Oh, hello, Frank. Hi, Alice. Hey, Alice. I've been thinking about it, and, hey, uh, maybe I shouldn't serve on that committee. Oh, but, Phil, I think you should. It's important to call at people's homes and get them out to vote. I know that, but they're going to ask me questions, and if I can't answer them, they won't even let me in their homes. Hey, Curly, I got an idea. Why don't you practice on Alice and me? Pretend we're a married couple and you're trying to get us to vote. Okay, Remley, I'll... Wait a minute. (laughs) You and Alice are married... I don't like that. <laughs> don't be a child. We're only playing house. <laughs> go on now, you go to the door and ring the bell. All right, I'll try it once. Okay, Alice. Now we'll make like we're a married couple. Mm-hmm. You put your head on my shoulder. All right. I'll put my arm around you like mm-hmm. this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you comfy, dear? Mm, yes, darling. Wait! <laughs> we ain't gonna do it that way, Remley. <laughs> Please, don't tell me how to play house. <laughs> now, go on, you, you go outside and ring the bell and I'll let you in. And let me in fast, brother. <laughs> I don't want no pause between me and the bell ring. <laughs> and the door opening. Let's make it all work fast, huh? Like this. All right, but see that you get the door open. I'm oh. going to try. No lulls, Dad. No lulls. <laughs> Look, Alice, we got to make it tough for Curly. Yeah. We'll pretend we're not interested in voting, and it's up to him to convince us that we should. Right. Groceries in the kitchen. Oh, thanks, Julius. Hi, Mr. Emily. Where's Mr. Harris? All right, beat it, kid. We're busy. <laughs> Go on, scram. 
Scram! Stop pushing, Mac. <laughs> I'll go. I ain't overjoyed at the prospect of your company anyway. Someone's at the door, darling. Well, answer it, sweetie pie. Bing. <laughs> Wait, you? I'm talking to Alice. There's someone at the door, Angel. I'll get it, honey. Let's get it together, sweetheart. <laughs> Angel? Honey? Sweetheart? This is certainly a nauseating situation. <laughs> I'd better sneak up and find out what's going on. I'll open the door, dearest. Careful of your itty-bitty hands, cookie pie. <laughs> I don't know which is more nauseating the situation or the dialogue. Coming. Uh, hello. Uh-oh, it's Mr. Harris. Now the fireworks start. <laughs> Madam, uh, my name is Phil Harris. Does he have to introduce himself every time he comes home? I'd like to talk to you, lady. May I come in? Oh, not now. I'm very busy. Come back some other time. Well, uh, well, if I can't talk to you, may I talk to your husband? He's got to ask her if it's all right to talk to himself. I'm sorry, but my husband is busy and I... Is there somebody I... at the door, darling? I... Oh. Well, and who is this? <laughs> How can he act so innocent? <laughs> oh, this is Mr. Harris, darling. Oh? Mr. Harris, I'm Mrs. Harris. And this is my husband, Mr. Remley. <laughs> I just don't understand these Hollywood marriages. Well, what's on your mind, Harris? Well, there's something I got to talk to you two about. There's something I must know. Uh-oh, here's where the shooting starts. <laughs> what do you want to know? Are you two voting next Tuesday? <laughs> now, there's a shrewd question, Uncle <laughs> Mr. Harris, can't you see what's going on here? Oh, Julius, what are you doing in here? He delivered the groceries. Oh. We thought he left. Oh. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Mr. Lemley. Calling Miss fake cookie pie right in front of poor Mr. Harris. Hey. <laughs> hey, what do you know? <laughs> the kid's sticking up for me. Sure, I'm sticking up for you. I can't let your wife do this to you just because you're a poor, broken-down old musician who ain't got enough... Never mind! <laughs> Get off my side. <laughs> now, beat it, will you, kid? Go on back to the grocery. Okay, Get okay. out of it. All right. <laughs> Darn, kid spoiled the whole thing. Now we don't even... Oh. Well, I wasn't doing too well anyway. Phil, it might help you if, you if you read those pamphlets the children brought home from school. They explain the candidates, their platforms, and how the government is run in a very simple language. Yeah, the pamphlets. Hey, come on, Frankie. We got just time to read them things before the committee gets here. Come on. See okay. you later, honey. Gee, it's nice to see Phil take an interest in the election. Maybe he'll find out a few things about our country. It's a big place, and there's a lot to learn, such as... Copper comes from Arizona, peaches come from Georgia, and lobsters come from Maine. The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska, and Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain. 
old whiskey comes from old Kentucky. Ain't the country lucky? New Jersey gives us glue. And you, you come from Rhode Island, and little old Rhode Island is famous for you. Cotton comes from Louisiana, gophers from Montana, and spuds from Idaho. They plow lands in the cowlands of Missouri, where most beef and poor roast beef seems to grow. reading all the pamphlets? Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting, aren't they? If you say so. <laughs> well, they are. According to these pamphlets, almost any kid in this country has a chance to grow up and be president. Not having any kids, I ain't interested. <laughs> but supposing you did. Just picture it, Frankie. Someday you get married, and after a year or two, the stork comes to your house, and who knows? the little one might grow up to be president. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only stork that ever grew up to be president. <laughs> Look, Curly, forget my kid and think about your committee. They'll be here soon. Now, can you memorize everything you read? Well, I hope so. There's an awful lot to remember, though. All right, I'll brief you. First, our form of government is divided into three branches, legislative, executive, and judiciary. You know all the candidates and their different platforms, and of course, you know that we don't elect our president through popular vote. We send members to the electoral college who in turn elect the president. You follow me? Yeah, I got most of it. <laughs> but what was that stuff after you said, I'll brief you? I'll tell you once more. The government is the... Wait a minute, too late, Frankie. Now, there's the committee. Oh. I think I'll remember everything if they'll just start asking questions fast before I forget. Well, don't wait. Start I'm talking politics start. as soon as they come I in. Will. Oh, Phil, is... Phil, the committee is here. Uh, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Kerwin, this is my husband, Mr. Harris. How do you do, Mr. Harris? How are you, sir? Our government is divided into three branches. <laughs> the legislative, the executive, and the jujitsuary. <laughs> How am I doing with my answers, Alice? Not bad, considering they haven't asked you any questions yet. <laughs> uh, well, 
Won't you be seated, gentlemen? Uh, thank you, but we can't stay long. Uh, now, Mr. Harris, we're merely here to find out if you're familiar with election procedure. We know you are, but some voters might ask silly questions like, how is a president elected? Well, that I know. Now, the president is not elected by popular vote. Instead, we vote to send members to an electrical college. <laughs> and after they graduate from college, they vote for us, and that's why it takes four years to elect the president. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's a very keen analysis. Yes. Mr. Harris has a great brain. Someday we hope to find out who graded it. <laughs> Mr. Harris, do you know anything at all about politics? Do you know who you're going to vote for yourself? Naturally. I've made up my mind, and I know exactly who I'm going to vote for. Uh, well, off the record, I hope you're voting for Mr. Truman. Of course. Who else? I think Mr. Dewey is the better man. That's what I said. Mr. Dewey, by all means. <laughs> of course, there are people who like Mr. Thurman. And I'm one of those people. How do you feel about Lassie? You couldn't find a better man than... Cut that out! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Harris, according to you, you're voting for three men. Do you think we should have three presidents at the same time? Why not? While one is joining Indian tribes and the second one is out fishing, the third one can stay at the White House and get some work done. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, I think we've heard enough. Shall we go? Yes, yes. Mr. Harris, I don't think you're the man for the election committee. Unfortunately, we can't prevent you from voting yourself, but we... Uh... <laughs> We can keep you from lousing up everybody else. Good night, sir. Oh, but gentlemen, Mr. Harris... Good night, Mrs. Harris. You have our deepest sympathy. You didn't know what you were talking about at all. Well, I was trying to... Being on the committee isn't too important, but before you vote, I wish you'd find out more about the candidate. You're right, Alice. You're absolutely right. And I'll admit I don't know too much about them, and it's our duty, and it's the duty of everyone, to vote intelligently on Tuesday. I'm going to start reading up on the candidates right now. Oh, me too. I didn't realize it before, but now I know it's important to pick the right man. Well, come on, Frankie. Let's study these facts. Now, this explains the platforms of Mr. Truman, Mr. Dewey, Mr. Wallace, Mr. Thurman, and Mr. Frankie. What are you doing? Hmm? Well, I'm choosing the man I'm going to vote for. Well, how are you doing it? I'm putting all the names in a hat, and I'm going to pick one. <laughs> oh, Remley, you can't do it that way. It's too late. I already picked the name out. Here it is. I'm voting for... Funny, I didn't even put this one in. Who is it? Some guy named Stetson. You picked out the label. <laughs> Remley, sit down. We're going to read this book right now. Bill and Alice will be back in just a moment. Pardon me, mister, but where can I find a Rexall drugstore? Well, they're all over the country, my friend. Ten thousand of them. Most of them independent family druggists like me. 
But you can always tell them by the orange and blue Rexall sign in the window. And that sign means they sell Rexall drug products? Exactly. More than 2,000 of them. Yes, we Rexall druggists may disagree about politics and football teams, but there's one thing we're really sold on. I know. Rexall drug products. Right, my friend. You see, we druggists know that Rexall products are carefully and purely compounded, that they're tested over and over again, and that they're constantly being improved by the never-ending research that goes on in Rexall's big laboratory. So when our customers ask us to recommend a brand, we just naturally tell them you... You can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Now, how did you know that? Because I found, found it out for myself. <laughs> Why do you think I was looking for a Rexall drugstore in the first place? <laughs> See you next Sunday, folks. Good night now for the makers of Rexall drug products and your Rexall family druggists. Look for the blue and orange sign in their windows. It means they carry the 2,000 or more Rexall drug products. And these 10,000 family druggists tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Sunday is fun day on NBC. Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Burke and Charlie McCarthy show, which follows immediately. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Lisa was talking about uh, she didn't go to Rexall drugstores. You went to, what was it called? It was called Gazelles. Gazelles. Right. That was. Was that a chain or was that just a local, do you I think? Don't, I don't know. But when you know. went to Gazelles, did you have lunch there at the counter sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Did you have like a, like a tomato soup and like I a. I like tomato soup. <laughs> that was a good choice. Tomato, tomato soup. Tomato soup and grilled cheese is a yeah. good combo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Phil Harris and Alice Faye, October 31st, 1948, with uh, Phil Harris, Alice Faye, along with um, Elliot Lewis. He was great. They called him Mr. Radio. He was a producer. He was an actor. He was uh, amazing in all he did. And then Walter Tetley as uh, the obnoxious delivery boy there, Julius, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Great cast, sponsored by Rexall's, heard on NBC. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, we're going to tune in to the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore from 1950. But first, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for learning uh, the lyrics. Uh, that's right. I've got some music, and the titles all have numbers in them. So oh, numbers. Stay tuned and start mm, All right. That's all in our next hour. We'll see you soon. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.